everybody. How y'all doing? I'm Michael. I'm joined by Alex, as always. How's it going? And we're here with a new episode of Falling Through Plot Holes, a podcast about video game plot lines and how they have a tendency to go off the rails. And this is part two of our series on Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the somewhat realistic shooters thrown into a Hollywood movie that are incredibly influential on the first-person shooter series. And we're going to be covering the final two games in the series, Modern Warfare 2 and Modern Warfare 3. Alex, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. I'm very, very excited to talk about these games. Oh, I am super excited to talk about them too. And we got a lot to cover, so we're going to pretty much just jump right into it. But first, I got to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Have you seen the 1984 movie Red Dawn? I never have, actually. Familiar with it, though, I, I imagine. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with what happens. Yes, Red Dawn is... Red Dawn is awesome. It is an awesome movie. It's also terrible. (laughs) As was the style at the time. As was the style at the time. Now, for those of you who don't know, Red Dawn is a movie that depicts the opening of World War III between the United States and the Soviet Union, specifically centering around the opening invasion of a small town in Colorado, Uh, basically in the opening days, like literally the first day of invasion. (laughs) Because, you know, famed border state slash coastal state, Colorado. Yeah. Easy for the USSR to get to. Oh, yeah. It's it's hilarious because the movie literally starts with, like, a high school, like, class and whatnot. Like, the teacher's, like, just teaching something. And he just sees Russian paratroopers, like, <laughs> you know, descend on his town. He's like, oh, that's weird. Wanders out there. He's like, what are you guys doing? And then gets shot. <laughs> <laughs> Now, it follows a plucky group of high school students who call themselves the Wolverines as they operate a guerrilla operation God. in occupied America before all getting murdered by the Spetsnaz and then having the movie end by more or less saying the equivalent of LOL, America won World War III. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's it's a bad movie, and one that in retrospect is like hilarious because it really oversells the Soviet Union's ability to project power and mm-hmm. wage war against a peer-to-peer adversary. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason why is because at this time, uh, the Soviet Union had entered what was year five of a war in a little known place called Afghanistan. You might have heard mm, of it. Yeah. And it wouldn't be long after this that in 1991, after years of economic stagnation, shortages, and polit- political reforms that, while good on paper, did have the slight side effect of hastening what would be the downfall of the Soviet Union, well, the Soviet Union collapsed. And it's hard to look back at Red Dawn and not see it as kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And this ties into, though, an aspect of the American psyche that I think another, kind of like similar uh, to what we what we talked about last, last episode uh, about like kind of like our love of like guns and military and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also really like an underdog, especially if that underdog is ourselves. Right, which is really hard to achieve these days. Yeah. And, uh, Alex, because I, I don't think you know this, but America's not the underdog. Nah, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> it, you know, it's only been, like, maybe, like, 80 years that we've been more or less on top since, like, honestly, arguably the end of World War One. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it's whether it's economic prosperity and most of the country anyways, technological prowess or military might, there now has been multiple generations of Americans who have never known a world where America is on top. 
or isn't on top, I guess, in this case. Right. Now, this isn't me trying to crow about America being great or whatever. It's just to point out the fact that it flies in the face of our need to be portrayed as the underdog. Because mm-hmm. how do you portray America in any way that is like under any sort of significant military threat? You, you kind of can't. Uh, aliens is usually the answer. Funny, that's what they did in the 90s. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because before the fall of the Soviet Union, you had the Soviet Union as a pretty convenient boogeyman to, to right. do that. But then after that, it was like, well, I, I guess we could do aliens like in you know Independence Day or mm-hmm. uh, the remake of the War of the Worlds or even Transformers. Mm-hmm. You know, all had them up against like an overwhelming alien threat. Like even in video games, uh, when they weren't setting the action like World War II or bizarrely Vietnam, right? They also used aliens in games such as 2006's Resistance: Fall of Man. Good game. Yeah, underrated. I'd say underrated. Yeah. Now, this wouldn't last forever, uh, but you know that's just kind of how they went about depicting America as you know somehow the like being the underdogs and whatnot, despite the fact that. We literally not only have the world's largest navy, but the world's fourth largest navy, if you just count the the Coast Guard. <laughs> <laughs> when we wanted to move things over, to, well, when Infinity Ward, more specifically, wanted ran into trouble depicting the Middle Eastern like, regulars as a credible threat, they decided to go back to their old standby, Russia. Or, the, I guess, America's old standby, anyways. Right. So, with the collapse of the Soviet Union, Russia rose the inheritors of the Soviet legacy. However, despite this, there was an obvious thaw in relations between Russia and the West, and the disastrous presidency of Boris Yeltsin in the 90s led to the perception of Russia as an inept and incapable. However, with the ascent of Vladimir Putin in 1999, successful wars in Chechnya and South Ossetia, and the stabilization of the Russian economy set the stage for Russia to be taken seriously again. And you can kind of see that, like, you know, mm-hmm. when Putin first came into power and, like, Russia kind of got back on his feet, it was still like, oh, man, yeah, Russia is kind of cool. Uh, yeah, they're kind of becoming serious again. And then as the Bush administration years went on, and once we got into the Obama years mm-hmm. uh, from 2008 to 2016, that's when things kind of turned very sour between U.S. and Russian relations. Right. And with that, though, came an opportunity to kind of depict Russia as the enemy again. Now. This set the stage for Call of Duty Modern Warfare itself to feature the Russians front and center as the bad guys, eh, mostly, as we'll see. Uh, mm-hmm. Modern Warfare 2, the game we're going to be talking about next, is going to take a slightly different tact with this. But by the time we get to Modern Warfare 3, Russia is going to be doing is going to be doing some bad things, or at least Russians will be. Right. In a way that's going to be kind of weird. Yeah. So I I haven't played Modern Warfare 3. I've seen the ending and a couple uh pivotal quote unquote scenes. Mm-hmm. But in general I'm I'm cold on Modern Warfare 3. But Modern Warfare 2 I've played and oh boy. <laughs> oh boy, Modern Warfare 2 is really dumb. Oh, and the best part is though, Alex, I'm excited that you don't know a whole lot about Modern Warfare 3. Mm-hmm. Modern Warfare 3 is even dumber. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited too. <laughs> yeah, that's this is also something that we need to kind of preface this with. Modern Warfare, the first one, mm-hmm. like it was definitely a Hollywood movie in many aspects, right? But it did try to treat things with realism and, at some level, like make its story a bit grounded. Yes, yeah. It, I'm not sure if you would necessarily call it smart, but it was at least like 
self-aware and somewhat thoughtful? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Modern Warfare 2 and Modern Warfare 3 <laughs> are not those no. games. No, no. They're going to take special forces and make them into just insane, unable-to-die badasses. These um, might as well be G.I. Joe games. They might as well be. Actually, literally, Task Force 141 might as well just be G.I. Joe. Yep. As we'll get into in a little bit. And yeah, between all that and uh, a cackling villain in uh, in a Russian terrorist by the name of Makarov, it's going to just, they're going to have their perfect, this is going to be just like an absolutely perfect like Hollywood movie in many ways. One that that's also going to just overplay Russia as any sort of credible threat beyond the realm oh of uh, believability. <laughs> Now, one thing that I do want to get into before this is that, uh, right, we're going to be, I'm going to be trying to examine, a, I'm going to be very nitpicky is what I'm trying to say about these mm-hmm. two games. Uh, yes. About specifically how they handle Russian military and U.S. military capabilities. Yeah. Now, I obviously say this as per, somebody who's never served in the military, special forces, or anything like that. Uh, you know, I've done a lot of reading on military history, but that obviously does not make me an expert by any means or anything like that right but they are going to do things that are going to strain credibility in a way that i cannot help but pick apart in a very pedantic sort of way yeah just want to kind of keep that little bit in mind as we talk about a little game called call of duty modern warfare 2 now modern warfare 2 is kind of a hell of a game uh (laughs) <laughs> there's not really much to talk about uh as far as his development is concerned uh one thing to note is that shortly after modern warfare 2 is released uh the heads of infinity ward uh frank zappella uh, vince zappella and jason west are going to sign a deal to basically keep them at activision for 10 years like millions upon millions of dollars for that contract and i want mm. you to keep that in mind when we get to modern warfare 3 <laughs> This was, but beyond that, there doesn't seem to be anything that was too particularly like crazy about its development that uh, like really changed anything about Modern Warfare Two. Not like Modern Warfare One, where they made that pivot to making Russia like a prominent feature in the game. Right. I will say I do want to comment on uh, some of the lead up to Modern Warfare Two's release, though. Yeah. Because this is when they got a little crazy with the pre order bonuses. Yeah. <laughs> Just the game's whole marketing campaign was, it was basically the first time, and so this is like, what, six, seven years into the series right now? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just been sort of trucking along, doing its things, and its fans were just, you know, fans. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, this game was like, yo, what if we pumped just hundreds of millions of dollars into this marketing campaign? Yeah, pretty much. It was like, <laughs> Modern Warfare just destroyed all records for yeah. sales. We need to, we're going to do so many marketing tie-ins. We're going to do all sorts of crazy stuff. We need to get weird pre-order bonuses out out of here. Like, yeah, I. it is absolutely nuts. Like, all the stuff that they did in order to hype this game up. Yeah. Uh, can, can we get a launch trailer with Eminem? It doesn't really make sense, but also kind of rules. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you want to pre-order this game for like 200 bucks and get a working set of night vision goggles? Yeah. Yeah. That's a deal. Yeah, they were actual working night vision goggles. Uh, they apparently were kind of bad, but yeah, hey, well, still. Yeah. 
It's still night vision goggles, which is stupid. It's very stupid. But mm -hmm. Yeah, so like all that was happening, but the game wasn't at without a little bit of controversy in its lead up. Uh, one set of controversy that didn't affect the plot at all was them announcing that they weren't going to allow dedicated servers for multiplayer. Mm. Uh, nothing really big to say about that other than this was kind of the first wave of taking the ability f away from players to kind of like control like weird things going on the in a video game that they own. Right. Uh, yeah. Did cause a boycott to happen that uh, it was incredibly, incredibly funny. A lot of more Modern Warfare players boycotted uh Modern Warfare 2 by forming a Steam group that on day of release <laughs> showed basically all of them playing Modern Warfare 2. So oh, video game boycotts are the funniest. They are always the funniest because they never work nope. and everyone's hypocritical about it. Yep. The second and probably more important thing is that a mission from Modern Warfare 2 was leaked in the lead up to the game. A little mission called No Russian. We're going to get into No Russian, obviously, and talk yes, a little bit about its impact, but uh, it essentially is a mission where you gun down civilians. And once that came out and leaked, it caused a ton of controversy around this game uh, in mainstream media outlets. A lot around uh, the idea of video games being violent, uh, corrupting our youth, that sort of thing, as well as some of the commentators also saying that it just showed that video games are still childish by allowing you to do things like throw grenades into crowds of civilians and they kind of just like pinball over. <laughs> Which on one hand, yeah, sure. On the other yeah. hand, kind of kind of sounds fun actually. Yeah. I, I like I like good ragdoll physics. So <laughs> so yeah, that sort of came out and caused quite a bit of stir. It's gonna cause even more of a stir after the game itself comes out for the way that they handle it. But those two things sort of happened and helped build sort of unintentional hype for Modern Warfare 2 in many ways. But with that, let's get into the plot of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. So Modern Warfare 2 starts us out in the year 2016. It's been five years since the, uh, since the events of Modern Warfare, and unfortunately, the civil war in Russia has ended in victory for the ultra-nationalists. The ultra-nationalists, led by Zakaev, the now very dead Zakaev, uh, ended up taking control of the government, installing their own somehow still democratically elected leadership. Yeah, they didn't really explain that or why the ultranationalists are still going without Zakaev. Yeah, yeah. They, they just kept going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's still there's still ultranationalist terrorist cells everywhere. It's just they won the civil war and then went, Why if we just kept Russia basically the same? Right. Yeah, so it doesn't in many ways, it makes those status quo not really seem any different other than they renamed Moscow International Airport to Zakaev International Airport. So Right. And built a statue. Good job. Yay. Now, this is all being narrated by a new character, a character by the name of General Shepard of the U.S. Marines. Now, during this uh, entire monologue he has, he's being kind of a piece of shit. Mm, yeah. Being stuff like, it's all about who wins, that's what make the heroes, and the heroes are who the ones who write the history, and everyone's liars, who, and what have you, and it's all about the ends justify the means. Very gravelly voice sort of guy. Yeah. Um, he's a white man with a mustache, uh, constantly wearing a beret, uh, and he may secretly be a super soldier, like literally a Captain America, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> <laughs> now, the game starts you out 
in Afghanistan. I guess the war in Afghanistan is actually a real thing going on now. Yeah, uh, sure. Be- why not? Because we now have a major military presence in there after just never being mentioned in modern warfare. And you start out the game as Private First Class Joseph Allen of the U.S. Army Rangers. Now, you kind of do all the like opening missions to learn the controls and then like have a running battle through an unnamed Afghanistan city mm-hmm. uh, that ends up impressing General Shepard an awful lot. And he's like, hey, listen, you look like the kind of guy I need for my cool special forces task group called Task Force 141. Now, Task Force 141 is basically like, what if we got the SAS and Delta Force and I don't know, whatever the French special forces are, and get them all together and just have them hang out like basically our knockoff version of G.I. Joe or Rainbow Six. Yeah. And all your favorite people are there. Soap's there, for instance. And Soap. <laughs> and a bunch of other new people. um, Like Ghost and Roach. Anyways, their entire thing is that they're trying to track down Makarov. Cause... And Makarov, by the way, Vladimir Makarov is a new character for this game. Mm. A terrorist who leads his own ultranationalist group that is basically causing mayhem all across Eastern Europe uh, via bombings and other terrorist acts. Uh, he was the right-hand man of Zakaev, and once Zakaev died, he basically took over the cause. Now, Task Force 141 has gotten very close to busting him multiple times, but every time that slippery guy's just got in the way, but guess what? Good old Private First Class Allen, he's going to be our key to getting him. Because he, good old Shepard has a plan. Mm-hmm. He knows that mm-hmm. there's going to be a terrorist attack on the Moscow airport. And he is going to take this army ranger, give him CIA training, and insert him <laughs> as a mole <laughs> into Makarov's group. Now, you're probably saying, oh, is like he like having any sort of Russian descent or know how to speak Russian or sound have like vaguely a russian accent and the answer to all these is no no (laughs) no spoiler alert this is not gonna go well but we'll get that to a second because all the way on the other well actually i think literally just like 200 miles away because in kazakhstan it turns out uh soap and the rest of the task force 141 are infiltrating a russian base there in order to uh get a hold of a downed ACS module, basically a satellite module that helps control satellites to do things like target identification and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Turns out the Russians gotten it, and you desperately need to get it back before they can break it open and get access to the U.S. defense grid. Now, in true Call of Duty fashion, you sneak into the base and are immediately caught by a large Russian force and have to murder your way out of there with the ACS module in tow. Now, you manage to do that. Everything goes great. And then that's when we turn to the famous mission, No Russian, back with good old PFC Allen. So, No Russian, a mission that caused so much controversy back in the day and Mm -hmm. still kind of causes some controversy nowadays as well. So No Russian was essentially their, if any words, follow-up to all the like shocking events that happened in the original modern warfare. Think of right. um, Alphalani's execution or the nuclear bomb going off, like something where you're technically in control, but you don't really have a way to influence the action. Mm-hmm. Uh, now the whole idea behind this is they show something shocking and make the player have to do something that they don't necessarily agree with. In this case, the entire thing that Makarov is doing is that he is infiltrating this Russian airport uh, with him and his gang, 
machine guns in tow, and they're just there to basically just murder a bunch of civilians. Right. Uh, this mission was cons- this mission when it was in development was very controversial among QA testers. Uh, some QA testers were cool with playing it. Others like felt very queasy about it. Uh, there was like one person who actually served in the U.S. Army who just straight up refused to play it. Mm. Uh, yeah. Which, oddly enough, actually led to a decision that uh, Infinity Ward made to add an option to just allow the player to skip the mission. Right. You do not have to play it. Now, Which, yeah, probably a good decision. Probably a good, de- probably a good decision. Now, when this came out, there was a lot of um, there was a lot of chatter about both like in favor for this mission and also kind of against it as far as how it is depicted and like how you're given the ability to skip over it. Uh-huh. Uh A lot of commentary was around the idea of just being able to kill civilians and just be able to like like I said, chuck grenades into like groups of civilians and see them right. blow up and whatnot. Uh, and also the fact that you don't actually have to pull the trigger at all. Mm-hmm. You don't have to shoot a single person, and the mission will play out exactly the same. Right. Now, Alex, I don't know how you feel about this mission. Personally, for me, it doesn't work. And I... The... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. It, it also doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to hear your thoughts. So it doesn't work for me because... So I'm I'm not like a big person who thinks that like video games will desensitize you and like cause you to just be like a autonomous kill robot or be cool mm-hmm. with killing in real life. Like I don't necessarily believe that, but I do believe that video games can desensitize you to a certain extent. Mm. So like let's say you play or have been playing a lot of violent video games and whatnot, you kind of and you definitely recognize that this is not a real thing, which I think is most people. I think right. most people aren't sociopaths. Right. Uh, for me, it's like, oh no, you have to gun down civilians. How and you, you can't stop it. What, what are you gonna do? It's like, yo, they just ones and zeros. I, mm-hmm. I don't care. This, this is gonna happen regardless of what I do. I can't. I have absolutely no real choice in this action. Oh, okay. Right. Well, kind of whatever. I'm not making a hard choice or anything like that. I'm not. It's not like, um, uh, Telltale's The Walking Dead series, mm-hmm. right? Where you could select. You can do actions that will determine who lives and who dies. Like, I find that, like, effective. Mm-hmm, right. And, like, have an emotional impact from that. But, like, this is just, like, well, the outcome's always going to be the same. These people aren't real. Right. Who cares? And also the fact that you could just straight up skip the mission. It's like... Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, okay. So it really, really doesn't matter then. And it just comes out to me as them trying to have like a shocking moment in a game and trying to one up themselves from the original Modern Warfare in a way that right. doesn't work. <clears throat> so I I mostly agree with that. It doesn't really work to me. Um, I think on paper it kind of works because from a narrative standpoint, it's it's sort of saying like you know this it, it is. It is presented to you as a an atrocity committed for the greater good, mm-hmm. because you're going to use this to get in with Makarov mm-hmm. and sort of get to get to the snake's head. Um, and so then that, you know, theoretically raises some interesting questions about oh how how many terrible deeds justify uh creating you know a better future or a better world, um you know if you yourself don't pull the trigger but you allow others to do it like is that morally better than doing it yourself Mm. you know it sort of raises those questions in a sort of flat half-hearted way 
Um, and it also sort of presents, I guess, going back to that sort of messy look at special forces of like, if this wasn't an international task force and just saying, yeah, I could see the U.S. giving the green light to murder some Russian civilians to protect U.S. civilians. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. So there's some like weird political messiness going on there. Um, but that's not the reason it doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. The reason it doesn't work for me is, and maybe I've just always misread this, but I feel like I haven't, is the point of this mission is to get in close with Makarov. And my question is, in the beginning of the mission, when you are riding the elevator down with M249s in hand, ready to just blow away hundreds of people, isn't Makarov standing right in front of you with his back to you? Yep. Couldn't you just pull the trigger and keep it going until the elevator opens and then be like, well, job's done. Yeah, right. It's kind of a big, <laughs> it's kind of a big plot hole. It, well, it's, it's a big plot hole at this point. It's actually not going to be later. There's, there's a reason. It's a stupid reason, but there's a reason. Yes. Okay. But the problem is you can't, retroactively explain stupid decisions and make them not stupid Hmm. you can but it's really hard yeah and i at the time i played this game i tried to give it the benefit of the doubt and tried to do that but it just it just doesn't work there's no plausible reason in the moment you just don't ventilate the man yeah at the moment yeah there's absolutely nothing (laughs) Not unless Shepard's like, no, we really need to keep him alive. For, for what? But, but, but if, okay, and there is a reason, but it's a stupid one. But the problem is this is all a deception, spoiler alert. Mm. But the deception doesn't have, like, a fake reason. There's no alibi. There's no presented reason to not do it. You're well, just told to not. There actually is an explanation for that. But okay. it's it's not good. It's not good, Alex. <laughs> and so that's my ultimate problem is it's not that you have to participate in the murder of hundreds of people. Mm. It's that you're not given a compelling reason not to end the game. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And the the problem then is that this is a pivotal moment in the plot from which the rest of the game unfolds. Yeah, this basically, everything that goes on in this mission is what influences two games worth of story. And so the entire plot revolves around a plot hole. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a problem. It's kind of a problem. That's the one thing about um, Modern Warfare, honestly, is a pretty tight story that doesn't really contradict itself too badly here and there. Right, right. Modern Warfare 2 and 3 is very much a story of convenience. Yes. We want you in cool place doing cool thing. Right. And we were we will write backwards to make that happen. And usually it doesn't work out, as we'll find out soon. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, no Russian. That's kind of how it starts out. Uh you basically the doors open and Makarov turns to you and says, Remember, no Russian. Right. Because they're trying to pretend they're not Russians killing a bunch of civilians, because this is from the start, it's supposed to be a false flag operation. 
Right. And so you walk through and start murdering civilians or not murdering civilians, uh, murdering security forces or not murdering security forces. And so eventually you try to make an escape in an ambulance. And as you are being helped into the ambulance by Makarov, he just puts a gun to the chest of Alan and just pulls the trigger. This is going to be a reoccurring thing where Makarov <laughs> will shoot somebody in the chest. Hey, you remember how much people liked like your character getting murked in the first game? Mm-hmm. What if we kept doing that? What if we kept doing that, but in a way so that Makarov could still shout exposition, and yeah. then you die? So, yes. Now, he does this on purpose because he knows that Alan is a mole, probably because he's very much American, and he was given, <laughs> like, 48 hours of training by the CIA. Because the CIA doesn't have its own spies or anything. We better use this army guy we just picked up. Yeah, this army guy, he knows exactly what he's doing. He, they just gave up, you know, like, Russian for dummies and said, just study this. You just need to know a couple of phrases. It's fine. So, yeah, he's he's left there in order to implicate America in a horrific terrorist attack, which is exactly what happens. Right. So Task Force 141 is freaking out about this. Like, General Shepard's like, yeah, well, I guess we have no friends. We need... And Alan was the only one who knew that Makarov was the one behind this. So we need to go and, like, track down Makarov in order to basically clear Task Force 141's name, essentially, because they're also implicated on this. And, uh-huh. and like, clear America's name and all that good stuff. So they hear, from, like, a bullet casing, they find out that these bullets were produced in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot how stupid that lead was. Yes, it. This is the. What would it be cool if we fought through a bunch of favelas? Yeah, and it's like. Well, I guess it would be, and so that's how they did justify this. So, Soap and everybody goes down to Rio de Janeiro to track down Macaraw's arms supplier, and in true Call of Duty fashion, it goes hor- horribly wrong. Yep. Uh, this is a reoccurring theme, by the way, of usually Soap or somebody else being like, "Yo, we got to keep things on the down low, can't let things go wrong," and then things go wrong. Yeah. They are like the worst special forces outfit in the world. <laughs> <laughs> now, they end up capturing him and like kind of start interrogating him and whatnot. Uh, but unfortunately, it's all for naught because while Soap and his team are de- dealing with the arms dealer, the Russian government has decided to strike back in the dumbest way possible. Mm-hmm. So they launch a surprise invasion of the East Coast of the United States. <laughs> Oh, yes. The coast neighboring Russia. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it gets better. It gets better. Because first, mm-hmm. they first do this by faking an attack on the West Coast by tricking the U.S. satellite array. Because um, we're using that ECS module. It turns out they uh-huh. decoded it before you could get it back. Okay. And then they disabled the, the satellites on the East Coast to cover their very stupid fake Red Dawn-style invasion. It is literally a red inspired by Red Dawn because the mission right after this is called Wolverines. God. Okay, so I, w- I want to... And this this was plot hole number two that mm-hmm. as I was playing it, I was like, wait, what? Okay, so they got one ACS module from one down satellite, mm-hmm. which was, it was known by Task Force 141, so presumably other countries' governments as well, that mm. this had happened. Mm-hmm. 
And having that one module that was known to be compromised allowed them to take control of the entire satellite array? Yep, absolutely. Okay, good to know. Yeah, and uh, during all of that, they also somehow managed to evade the plethora of terrestrial radio radar stations, both mm-hmm. on the East Coast, in the United Kingdom, and all throughout Europe. Yep, just slipped um, past all of NATO. Slipped past all of that. Um, any one of the four carrier battle groups that are stationed in Virginia mm-hmm. uh, what somehow managed to disguise what would have been a very obvious military buildup somewhere in Western Russia, and the logistical difficulties of supplying an invasion force apparently purely by air, because literally mm-hmm. what it is, they fly a bunch of cargo planes and like land at airports and then have like paratroopers parachute in. Yep. There's no naval involvement from no, this at all. No, it's a, it is an entirely an air invasion from the more than the other side of the world. Yes, and I guess they just kind of were like, I guess Article 5 of uh, NATO's charter is not going to be invoked, and we won't have to worry about the United Kingdom or literally all of Western Europe and Poland being yep. like, huh, maybe we should contact the U.S. about all these planes or shoot them down or anything like that. Nope, mm. nope, yep, mm. nope, just gonna, just gonna, they, they took out America's satellite network. Yeah, yeah. Nothing can be done. All these supplies, I guess, are going to be have to like filter like through, um, you know, through the waterways and whatnot that go past places like, say, Denmark that are NATO countries. Mm-hmm. Eh, we're not going to yeah, worry no. about that. It's fine. It's fine. Yes, it's incredibly stupid how they managed to somehow pull it's this so, off. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it would have been like 300% more plausible if it had been the West Coast. It mm-hmm. still would have been stupid. Yeah. That their one module let them slip past America's entire defense grid. Yeah. But at least, like, the geographical logistics of it would have made more sense. Yeah, like, invade Alaska. Alaska makes sense. Right. But no. But no. no. They, yeah, they're they're now running rubshod through northern Virginia and, you know, murdering civilians and doing mm. all sorts of bad things to get revenge. My- Oh, and by the way, this is five years after a brutal civil war that tore the country apart. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it didn't, you know, it, it didn't really, like, affect the military. Nah, nah. It was just, <laughs> it was just five people. And, I mean, they they literally probably just, like, won an election and went, okay, we're cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 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 great. It's great. So, yeah, you play as um U.S. Army Ranger says you're trying to repel this attack and whatnot, and... It is kind of an effective mission in the sense of like, yeah. It is definitely fun and cool to like, to be doing a defensive mission on U.S. soil against an invading army. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, and like throughout it, you're trying to find this like high value target, like General Shepard gets in, in contact with the um, uh, the army rangers down there. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, you need to rescue this high value target, but when you, like, you find him, you find out he's been assassinated without any obvious signs of struggle. And you're like... <laughs> Oh man, there's somebody's trying to clean up something here. Uh-huh. There's a conspiracy afoot. So, all, while that's happening, Task Force One Forty One's like, okay, well, we don't, we didn't really get anything from this arms dealer, but he said that Makarov has a prisoner, somebody he really hates, locked <laughs> up in a Russian gulag, and apparently he knows where to find him. Why I don't know. D- 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 don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. So they have to go and get him, and. He's basically located um, on the, oh God, what is the peninsula? I think it's the uh, Kamachek Peninsula. It's the peninsula that's all the way on the west coast of Russia, Mm. Uh, you know, right next to Alaska. Uh 
And so they had to sneak past like a bunch of oil rigs. And by sneak past, I mean they kill everybody on there. Right. Because uh, there's no such thing as subtlety in Task Force 141. And then they sneak into the gulag. And by sneak, I mean they just land to the middle of it and shoot a bunch of Russians. <laughs> they just fly all the helicopters in there. Yeah, they literally just fly them all in there. But they Again, do. all of these are really cool missions. They're they just cool. ridiculous. They're just very ridiculous, yes. Because once again, they are just literally G.I. Joes at this point. Yeah, pretty much. Now, they managed to rescue their prisoner, who was none other than Captain John Price. Whoa! Yes! Good old Captain Price. Turns out he's been in a Russian gulag for the past few years because... Why? Um, well... In true Call of Duty fashion, they had a mission where they were going to capture Makarov, but everything went wrong, and Price uh. stayed behind to allow everyone to escape. Makarov captured him, instead of just, I guess, doing his normal thing of shooting somebody in the chest and mm-hmm. doing exposition, went, how about I send you to a gulag? Sound sure. cool? Also, I have the ability to do that? Yeah, I, don't, I, I guess. <laughs> I guess. So he's been just sort of hanging out there. And so... With that, they're like, okay, we need to formulate a plan to stop Makarov, because if we stop Makarov, we can stop the war. And the war is not going particularly well for the United States, uh, somehow. <laughs> as we see back in now in now a Russian-occupied Washington, D.C., as the U.S. Army desperately tries to force them out and evacuate high-value individuals. And it's worth noting the question of, wait, why didn't they just do the West Coast? Mm-hmm. This is why. Because yeah. they wanted... a. A mission where you fight through Washington, D.C. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So you can see, like, the Lincoln Memorial all blown up and right. the Washington Monument also all blown up. And oh no, the Capitol building's on fire. Oh no. And again, this mission's really cool because at that time, like, you you hadn't had that many, like, first-person shooters set in the United States. Yeah. No, totally. So, like, it was it was cool. But the way we got there is real dumb. Yeah, it's it's effective and cool in the same way like Fallout 3 being in Washington, D.C. is kind of cool. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, look at all these. Yeah, this all looks familiar. That's really cool. Yeah. There's a weird amount of detail put into these metro stations. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it's also, like, very, very dumb because, once again, they're all doing this while somehow outnumbering U.S. forces um, on the east coast of the United <laughs> States. <laughs> Where, like, most of the military is. Yes. Once again, four carrier battle groups are stationed out of Norfolk, Virginia. In northern Virginia. <laughs> oh, no, but they have air superiority. <laughs> they have air superiority somehow. How? I don't know. I guess they're just constantly doing 10-hour sorties from Russia. <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh, it's so bad. It's It's... It's bad, but good. <laughs> so that's all going on, and like, like, um, eventually, like the the Rangers you were playing as, like, get downed and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like their helicopter gets shot down, and like they're running out of ammo, and all about to get murdered. Keith David is with you; he's your squad leader. Uh, and then you just see a flash of light, and you're like, "Wow, what's that?" I don't mm-hmm. know. We're gonna find out soon as we go back to Task Force One Forty One, who still basically in the Russian Gulag is like. Captain Price, you got a plan? He's like, yeah, I do. We're going to commandeer a Russian nuclear submarine. <laughs> Which General Shepard's like, hey, that's that's really stupid. Don't <laughs> do that. <laughs> and Price literally hangs up the phone on him and is like, uh, we're just going to do this anyways. It's so good. So while you're like defending the sub, Price sneaks on board 
and like like you see like all the hatches open up on the sub like all the mm-hmm. missile silo hatches and he's like and you see a missile get launched and you're like oh no price what happened a, a nuclear missile got launched and price is like good you're like what what? <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out it's heading towards Washington, D.C. What? <laughs> and they're like, that's bad. And now here we get to the other. This one is less talked about, but is probably even more ridiculous. It's so uh, ridiculous. This is the another big scene that was featured in like advertisements and whatnot. You cut to the International Space Station and you play as an astronaut. <laughs> and Houston contacts you. He's like, "Hey, uh, can you like just turn and look at the horizon over there?" Yeah, do you see that object? And you see the nuclear missile going mm-hmm. towards Washington D.C. You're like, "Huh?" And like in a move where it's like, I guess they just didn't tell the astronauts or you know Houston that uh, there was a war going on. They're like, uh-huh. oh, is, "Is there any satellites being launched today?" It's like, "No, probably not." You're like, uh, yeah, no, we're not really sure about that. We're not really sure what's going on there. And then you just see the nuclear weapon detonate in the atmosphere. And space doesn't have an atmosphere, so I'm not sure how this happens. (laughs) It causes a shockwave, which, once again, not possible in space, and destroys the International Space Station. Plays your astronaut buddy into space to presumably die. I'm also pretty sure what they're going for is a high atmosphere detonation, which yes. I'm fairly, very sure is a much lower altitude than the ISS's orbit. Yes. Yeah, I I don't think... I, I'm sure that the ISS probably is still in some technical layer of, like of the atmosphere, but probably not enough to cause a significant amount of yeah. shockwave. Yeah. It's, it's all sorts of strange. And nothing about this makes sense. No. No. And they never talk about it again. They never talk about it again. That's the wild thing. This just sort of happens and it's yeah. just like, No well, one's like, hey, Price, you blew up the ISS and killed like 12 astronauts. The yeah, fuck's you, up with that? How do you feel about that? He's like, what astronauts? I don't believe in space. <laughs> Yeah, so that just happens. It just happens for nothing. (laughs) So dumb. It's It's, so dumb. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. So yeah, as Alex alluded to, it's a high altitude explosion in order to create an EMP blast, an electromagnetic pulse, in order to knock all Russian aircraft out of the sky, which it succeeds in doing. This gives Americans air support superiority and allows them to push them out of Washington, D.C., which congratulations. You know what the worst part about this is? Hmm. The worst part is that they threw that scene with the ISS in. So it'll be like, oh, this will be so shocking and wild. Mm-hmm. And then literally the next thing that happens after that is the coolest thing in the game. <laughs> there is no need for that scene because what happens next is better than anything else. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, all the aircraft falling from sky. Yeah, it's like fucking helicopters, like, careening to the ground as you run through Washington, D.C. and then total blackout. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so cool. Yep, yeah, as you try to fight your way to the White House so you can put flares on top to keep the Americans from just carpet bombing D.C. Oh, yeah, because they're just going to carpet bomb the whole city. Which is like, (laughs) huh, really? (laughs) 
okay then. (laughs) (laughs) This seems extreme, but all right. Yeah, do what you gotta do, I guess. (laughs) So, all that happens, and then one week passes, and, like, basically, U.S. government gives General Shepard a blank check to do whatever it takes to kill Makarov. Uh And he's like, I'm glad you're doing this, gentlemen. I'm glad you're finally believing in me. Which is like, wait, they never believed it? What? They gave you an entire task force force with apparently no limits or restrictions whatsoever on what you can do. Yeah, I mean, it seems like things were going well for you, buddy, but okay. You have so far shot up an entire airport and launched a nuke with no repercussions. Yeah, things are working out for you. So he's tracked down Makarov to one of two sites, an aircraft graveyard in Afghanistan and another safe house on the Russian-Georgia border. So Roach and another soldier, Ghost, go to the safe house while Price and Soap go to the aircraft graveyard. And in the, um, at the safe house, they don't find Makarov at all, but they find a bunch of intel that like details Makarov's location, like mm-hmm. all his detail plans, basically everything. It's a treasure trove. Right. And so they do that. Things go wrong. They barely escape, and they are picked up by Shepard, who immediately shoots both of them. <laughs> and, of course, conveniently, he shoots Roach, Roach in the chest and just, right. like, shoots Ghost in the head. And then does, like, expositions like, yes, now, finally, I, I can get my revenge, and I can clean up some loose ends. So everyone's dead. Uh, bodies get burned. And, like, at the same time, Price and Soap are trying to call them, like, hey, we're being attacked by Shepard. It turns out he has a new other Black Ops group called <laughs> Shadow Company. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it turns out this entire time, Shepard has not only had Task Force 141, but also another company called Shadow Company. That's a private military corporation. Have fun with that one. <laughs> so, Soap and... Price managed to escape and barely, barely get out of this alive. Now, while they're doing that, Price is like, "I think we need to find Shepard and kill him because this—he's an—he's a jerk. He got our mm-hmm. friends killed, and we need to get our revenge." And Price does this in a way that I find a little questionable. Yeah, he calls Makarov. Which one? How do you have his number? Two. <laughs> how do you know that he knows Shepard's location? And so he basically details up. It's like, hey, listen, Makarov, uh, Shepard has all the info on you. You know you're not going to live for more than a week, which mm-hmm. I don't know if you can guarantee that personally. And Makarov's like, hey, you know, you know I'm going to kill you one day, right? And Price is like, yeah, probably. And I'll probably see you in hell. So how about you just let me know where he's at? He's like, okay, yeah, he's at this um, underground complex in Afghanistan. Along with his shadow company buddies. So everyone put a fucking pin in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> and so, yeah, you you managed to escape Makarov's goons and Shadow Company, and Price and Soap prepare for the final mission of Modern Warfare 2, invading basically Tora Bora in Afghanistan. <laughs> now, before they do that, Price has a little speech to give after Ghost... Wait, uh, why would Price go into, like, caves in Afghanistan? <laughs> Because he wants to murder the hell out of Shepard. <laughs> no, sorry. Why did Shepard go to caves in Afghanistan? Doesn't he own, like, the military at this point? Oh, uh, basically, as we'll find out when he explains all his motivations for why he betrayed everybody, yes. Couldn't he just, like, go 
anywhere. He could, but the developers at Infinity Ward <laughs> heard about Tora Bora and how it was just this magical complex where Osama bin Laden lived, and they wanted to basically just recreate that. So here we are. <laughs> God, it's so dumb. So Soap is like, man, we're basically outgunned. I don't know how we're going to do this. And Price has a little speech to give that I transcribed in full, Alex. Oh, yes. Be- because oh. it is nuts. Oh, it's the best. Quote, the healthy human mind doesn't wake up in the morning thinking this is the last day on Earth. But I think that's a luxury, not a curse. To know you're close to the end is a kind of freedom. Good time to take inventory. Outgunned, outnumbered, out of our minds, on a suicide mission. But the sanded rocks here, stained with thousands of years of warfare, they will remember us for this. Because out of all our vast array of nightmares, this is the one we chose for ourselves. We will go forward like a breath exhaled from the earth, with vigor in our hearts and one goal in sight. We will kill him. (laughs) End quote. So good. Soap does oh. not respond to this. He just says this out of nowhere and just leaves it in the air. <laughs> it is an in, it's so insane. Oh, it's it's so nuts. This game is so insane. It's so insane. Uh I Alex, I love Captain Price. He's he's, he's a crazy man. He is a crazy war criminal. Uh, yep. <laughs> so they fight their way into the base. Um and, like, get to the center, but not before Shepard manages to get away on a helicopter. And after a fun, inflatable boat chase, Price manages to shoot down the chopper with a grenade launcher. Like, they make their way to the mm. crash site and, like, chase down Shepard. Like, they're both injured, and so mm. is Shepard. But right before Soap is about to just murder him with a knife, Shepard decides that he's actually Captain America. Yep. <laughs> Literally just parries the arm away, like, steals the knife away from him, punches him, stabs him in the chest... And then has a fist fight with Price where he beats the living shit out of him. <laughs> he just beats him to a bloody pulp, has him pinned down, and it's like, mind you, he is like 55 or 60 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. He does not look like a man who could take either of these guys, especially Soap, who's like yeah. muscle-bound mohawk a dude. Like, now during all this, like, Soap is like going in and out of consciousness, and you learn, I, I don't know if Shepard tells him this, or if he just says this out of like this is like his monologue uh-huh. from like some other point or what have you it nothing about this makes sense but he just goes like i'm gonna explain everything now right so it turns out he was in charge of the u.s marines in a named uh middle eastern capital that when it got nuked mm-hmm. and he lost thirty thousand troops and he was very very sad about this mm-hmm. he was like the u.s government didn't give a damn about this nobody gave a damn but uh, i did they didn't uh, supposedly. Okay. Supposedly, they did not give a damn about this. Okay. And apparently, he felt like his reputation was ruined, which, no, but no. okay. But he's going to make things right and get his revenge on Makarov, as well as just Russia as a whole. Okay. So he decided to do that and also steal glory for himself by basically starting World War Three. Mm-hmm. So he got... um. He got Alan and inserted him in Makarov's group and intentionally leaked that he was a U.S. soldier. Right. Uh, which, honestly, he probably just didn't have to do that. I imagined he would have made himself very much aware that he's a U- like, yeah, U.S. Right. soldier, an American, yeah. but whatever. Uh, so he did all that with the purpose of starting World War III so that he could successfully fight that war and then capture Makarov and kill him and be hailed as a hero. 
and then all those soldiers that were lost would have not been lost for nothing. It's stupid. It's stupid, and, like, of course it's supposed to be deranged, mm-hmm. but the the part that gets me is, like, no one gave a damn. It is the third nuclear device to be fired in a combat situation, combat, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. in history. Yes. No, so no I, one cared about that? Yeah, supposedly no one cared. That yeah. didn't raise any eyebrows? Not a single one, apparently. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but also, going back to my, my point about the plot hole in No Russian is, so that's the reason all of it happened. Hmm. What was the reason that Shepard gave Alan not to just shoot Makarov? Well, because he also wants to fight World War Three and get revenge on Russia. Alan wants to? Not Alan. Right. So what was the reason that Shepard Shepherd gave to Alan, said to Alan, when he told him, don't just shoot Makarov the first chance you get? Oh, probably something like, listen, son, you won't get out of there alive. You'll compromise the mission. The mission above everything else. But the Soldiers. mission is to get Makarov. Soldiers follow orders. Dude. That, that that's that's my point is like okay they got at the end to the plot twist that's the reason for all of it but they they missed the part where shepherd convinced alan to go along with it mm-hmm. how did he do that what was the reason great question never explained never explained they don't even try <laughs> Well, you know, and like... if there if there had just been one lie, <laughs> it would have been like relatively okay. Yep, but there was not even a lie. They were just like, "Don't." <laughs> yeah, and that was the cause of all of this. Mm-hmm. Every single bit of it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. It it really doesn't, and yeah, it, it's definitely, it really feels like they built No Russian, and it went, this is a shocking moment. All right, let's yeah. pull the rest of the game around this. Let's justify this, and you just couldn't quite figure it out. Couldn't, couldn't quite. Couldn't, couldn't quite. Couldn't quite. Uh, but yeah, that's the end of Modern Warfare 2. The United States and Russia are still at war. Uh, oh, I, so like shot Shepard in there somewhere, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, right. I'm sorry. I forgot about that. He pulled, yeah, he pulled the knife out of his chest and threw oh, it. Oh, that's at, right. That was, right. That was that was cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you literally pull the knife out and you throw it at Shepard and he pierces him in his right eye and he dies. And then after that, Task Force 141 is disavowed <laughs> and Price and Soap are on the run. <laughs> they weren't disavowed when they fired a nuke without authorization? Somehow, no. so that leads us to modern warfare three oh man i'm like i said i'm mostly cold on this so i'm so excited oh call of duty modern warfare three is a stupid video game so call of duty modern warfare three aka call of duty eight is um the third in the trilogy and the final one uh once again, developed by Infinity Ward. This one, we are going to very briefly talk about its development history, yeah. mostly because a kind of big event happens that kind of upended everything. Mm-hmm. So remember the part where I said that uh, Vincent Pella and uh, 
by Jason West, the heads of Infinity Ward signed a huge deal to stay with the stay with the company. I do remember that. Well, unfortunately, not not long after that. <laughs> <laughs> And in 2010, they kind of got fired. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the reason being was for, quote unquote, insubordination uh, and breach of contract. They were escorted out of the studio by security. And essentially, there's not really uh, there's not really a whole lot of reason exactly why this was going on. It seems like they may have been in conversations with ea about forming another rival studio at some point <laughs> hmm. but it's still it's still a little if i remember correctly it's still a little bit murky as far as exactly everything that went on there wow that's crazy so what yeah. did they do after that oh uh, they ended up forming a new studio called respawn entertainment that worked with ea to put out the titanfall series wow yeah <laughs> would you call that a rival studio i would call that a rival studio I would also point out that uh, right after they were fired, um, Weston Zampella also sued Activision for $36 million, citing breach of contract and whatnot, and that they manufactured a base to fire them. Nice. Yeah, so I uh, oh. did not have time to look up exactly how that lawsuit went, but regardless, when you have the two studio heads leave uh, under a cloud of scrutiny, that's kind of going to mess up development of your tr- of your third game in the series. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, stay classy, Activision. Stay classy, Activision. So, needless to say, Infinity Ward had a little bit of trouble getting this game over right. the finish line, and so Raven Software and Sledgehammer Games, uh, Sledgehammer would eventually mm. join the rotation of developing their own Call of Duty games. Right. But this point was just a support studio. They got brought in in order to help finish up Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. Right. I do want to briefly touch on Titanfall. Obviously, this podcast isn't about Titanfall. Um, But just to summarize, the first Titanfall was this weird multiplayer hybrid where even the campaign was multiplayer. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it was kind of interesting. It didn't really work out. By the end, it was sort of going for this weird Skynet angle where it's the future in space and the colonies are rebelling against the inner planets. Um, Think Gundam or Firefly or, you know, a thousand different things. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, by the end, like, the robots are st- sort of starting to take over the Central Empire, and it's weird. And they ditched that for Titanfall 2. Titanfall 2 is basically a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is an insane thing. It is an insane space adventure uh, following a soldier and his robot best friend uh, fighting an evil PMC formed up of Captain Planet villains. And it is, once again, basically a loose justification to do all sorts of cool, crazy things. And it works because it is a cartoon. It is like a paramilitary Saturday morning cartoon show where insane things just happen. And Mm -hmm. you're like, that's a cool, insane space thing. And it sidesteps, I say all this because it sidesteps the Modern Warfare 2 problem of just being set in space in a crazy sci-fi universe where, sure, we just built a time cannon. Mm -hmm. Why not? Yeah, why not? Why not? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it it clearly seems like they weren't excited about the idea of doing a Modern Warfare 3 and wanted to do something different. Yeah. And it makes sense that Titanfall is such a different thing. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. It it just sort of let them, it seems to have let them pursue what was in their heart, which is, what if we made a bunch of cool things in a shooter game? Mm-hmm. 
And it turns out it, it ends up being pretty cool. It's like one of the best FPS campaigns ever. Indeed it is. Oh, and to tie up uh, what exactly happened with those lawsuits, uh, they were all settled out of court. So who ah. knows? Yep. Now, regardless, Modern Warfare 3 was always going to be this incredibly big thing, mm-hmm. which makes it kind of funny that nobody really talks about Modern Warfare 3 yeah. anymore. Now, this is partially because, well, not only because of the cloud of all these lawsuits and whatnot, but Black mm. Ops, uh, the yeah. Call of Duty subseries developed by Treyarch, kind of took over as more mm-hmm. or less like the primary series in a way. Yeah. Uh, kind of was very highly regarded, whereas Modern Warfare 3, well, it, it definitely reviewed well. Uh, you know, it just didn't quite have the same impact. Right. Yeah. It still, mind you, it still made a lot of money for Activision, <laughs> but um, it it definitely was it. It's definitely not as much of a cultural touchstone in a way uh, like the original Modern Warfare, or like at least no Russian for Modern Warfare Two is. Mm-hmm. Now, we won't talk too much about its like advertising campaign or anything like that, but I do want to point out that uh, they had a very, very annoying thing they did with their logo. Oh, yeah. The logo is just literally a stylized MW3, but how they would always introduce the logo is that it would be WW3, because World War Three, and right. then the W would flip to an M. Mm-hmm. It's very, very annoying, and I hate it, and I wanted to point it out. <laughs> but Alex, would you like to talk about the plot to Modern Warfare 3? God, I would. Let's talk about it. So this takes place literally hours after killing General Shepard. Uh, basically, you just see um, uh, Captain Price and Nikolai, who was in Modern Warfare 2. We just mm. wanted to point him out. Uh, right. He's much, much more involved in this game. Uh, basically, they take um, Soap back and help get him healed up and whatnot, like give you a gaping chest wound and whatnot. <laughs> uh, good news, he's going to be fine, uh, mostly because they have a new friend and the person who's going to be the primary player character, at least when you're playing as Shepard's uh, team. Mm-hmm. Uh, not Shepard's team, but Price's team. Uh, an ex spetsnov operative named Yuri, uh, a associate of Nikolai, and a person who has some sort of grudge against Makarov that nobody's going to question until <laughs> the most inconvenient time. So while all that's going on, the Russian invasion of the United States continues apace. In a way, that's even dumber. Didn't wasn't this an air invasion? The thing got knocked out of the sky by a low orbit nuclear detonation. Oh no, no! I mean, well, yes, but no. It, it looks they figured out how to how how to continue this war, right? Uh huh. Like we're going to invade New York City, okay, and we're just going to park our entire navy in Hudson Bay. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're just going to just, you know, park it right outside of New How York. How did they get the Navy there? You know, that's a really, really good like, question. Like, literally, what water path? Well, I mean, it connects with the ocean. <laughs> oh, yes, the ocean. Uh, by the way, <laughs> I'm an idiot when I said Hudson Bay. I mean, I meant the Upper Bay of New York. Right, okay, yeah. Yes, I'm... My my geography of New York is bad, apparently. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no. Yeah, they basically just sailed in there. And the whole idea is that they have this radio jammer that's preventing, like, basically any aircraft from really being able to target anything. What? Yes. <laughs> now, Alex, I don't know if you're familiar with the Russian military, but they're commonly called a land military. Yeah. A great land power. Yeah. Uh, 
Now, the reason being is because historically the Russian Navy has been kind of bad. Mm-hmm. Now, partially this is due just to geographical factors. Right. Uh, they don't their... have a lot of naval travel or th- there's no water to take advantage of. I mean, there is. It's just most of it's frozen. Right. Yeah. Most of their ports are in a frozen, uh, basically are frozen like half the year. Yeah. Uh, that's or, really or in the hard Far East. To use that water. It is. And like their one warm water port, like their major, mm. room, like, you know, Sazathpool. Right. Uh, that's a kind of a control. The only way you get out of there is through the Strait of the, the Bosphorus and whatnot, uh-huh. which uh, Turkey controls and is a NATO member. Right. So it's kind of an issue. So they've never really had a big, big Navy. Uh, the one time that they tried to make an aircraft carrier, uh, which they still have, mm. uh, has a tendency to just catch on fire randomly. Ooh, that's, and if that's, you don't want that. Yeah. In fact, it's currently in dry dock being repaired after catching on fire for a third time. Ah. Yeah. So navally, they're just not really known for, they're known as a submarine ma- navy for a reason. Mm, right. So the idea they have an aircraft carry and all these naval forces just kind of parked in the upper bay. Right. And, uh, and again, uh, four carrier groups. Four carrier groups. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it would go badly for them. I don't know. They just managed to do so. So <laughs> Okay, sure, good. So a Delta Force team with the call sign Metal is uh, assigned to basically knock out this radar, j- radar jammer. And so led by this man by the name of Sandman and filled mm. with team members such as Grinch. Uh, they all go into New York. You fight through like the New York Stock Exchange and uh-huh. like, get on top of the roof and blow up the radio transmitter, which allows. Wait, like... they installed it on a building? Yeah, well, you got It has to be high up, you know, to be maximum radio. So this thing wasn't active when they sailed in. Presumably not. I mean, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so maybe... the whole landing operation was uncovered by this radar jammer. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> they had to do the entire landing operation and then the invasion before mm-hmm. they could get their jammer coverage. I guess it's possible as part of like their weird Red Dawn style air invasion. Right, they had like a sleeper cell with a... Yeah, they got up there and they, they put up the radar jammer. They're like, here we go, everything's good. They God. just had a radar jammer that could jam the most sophisticated radars in the U.S. military. Just mm-hmm. just sleeping. Yeah, just sleeping. And, you know, it's not like artillery exists or anything yeah, like that. No. So, whatever. You couldn't just eyeball it. Yeah, those those boats are safe. Yeah, it's really, really dumb. Anyways, they all get blown up. And you find out that a Russian sub is basically being used as the command. Uh, as they're like their command vessel. And so in a mission that was featured in like a lot of E3 coverage, you, mm. you, we, you, alongside a team of Navy SEALs, end up infiltrating this Russian sub. Mm-hmm. Uh, you like blow up its like rudder and whatnot to cause it to surface. And you fight your way in there. And then taking control of the Russian sub, you activate all its missiles to target all the ships in the area, destroying them and sinking them to the bottom of the ocean, forcing the Russians to retreat from the East Coast. What? Now, how exactly they managed to do so and not all get blown up by, once again, all the carrier groups and <laughs> aircraft that are in the region, not really sure, but they managed to do so. Uh, okay, so when you say take control of its missiles, this isn't yeah. like a nuke, this isn't a nuke-bearing sub, right? 
It doesn't seem to be, no. Okay. So you take control of one submarine mm-hmm. and torpedo the entire fleet. Yeah. And there's like a really cool scene where you're having to escape on a boat and you do a real sick ass ramp off of a, a oh, sinking yeah. Russian ship. Oh yeah, that that yeah, that makes sense. Um yeah. you kill the entire fleet with one submarine? Yep. Yes you do. I yeah. Bad. No notes. <laughs> <laughs> so that all happens and it's like and then Russia's like, huh, maybe we should negotiate for peace. So the Russian like, president Oh no, if only they hadn't taken control of our one submarine. It was the only thing we couldn't defend against. <laughs> To be fair, it's kind of realistic that they're, the Russian Navy could be just sunk by one rogue sub, and they go and they yeah. just throw up their hands and go, well, guess we don't got a Navy anymore. So we didn't have any subs in the area? Guess not. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'd like to point out it's been a week since D.C. Yeah. Yeah, at most. At most. Oh, yeah, it's real good. It's real good. (laughs) Okay. So a big summit is going to be held in Hamburg, Germany, between members of NATO and the Russian president, where they're going to make peace and whatnot. And the next mission takes place basically on the Russian presidential jet as you play as a member of his Secret Service entourage. And, like, the president's like, yes, no, my daughter, who is here as well. Mm -hmm. We We have to kill our enemies with kindness and show them peace. Peace is what is important. As a reminder, he is a Russian ultranationalist. Yeah. Or he's supposed to be. Didn't he just command the Russian military to invade the United States? He did. <laughs> and perhaps in a, a moment of clarity, he went, hmm, the entirety of NATO and the United States have just destroyed our fleet. Hmm. Peace. Maybe I should... Peace is good. Oh, right. Our population is one-fourth of that of the United States alone. Hmm. Yeah, I think peace is great. Yeah, so love peace. They're flying to Hamburg. But unfortunately, Makarov's men infiltrate the plane and take it over. And there's a big running battle. And, like, the plane has, like, an emergency landing where it literally breaks in half. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Somehow, the president and his daughter don't die. Uh-huh. And the president is captured by Makarov. Uh, not before Makarov shoots you in the chest just okay. long enough so you he can basically exposition about how the daughter escaped. And the daughter needs to be found because he wants to get the nuclear codes from the president so he can basically nuke all of Europe. And then uh, he then shoots you in the head. So that's all done. That's great. Okay. So right after this, there's a news story about how... Oh, Wait. man. Go ahead. I'm sorry, how exactly does the Russian nuclear system work that once he gets the codes from the president, he can just do that? Yeah, I guess there's no additional like, safeguards past that. what do you do that? with the codes? You just, like, radio them in, and they're like, okay, some guy on the radio said the codes, must be time to launch them all. Yeah, seems legit. I, I guess so. I guess that's exactly how that works. All right, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So all that while all that's happening, like there's news stories of like, man, like the Russian delegation never showed up. Weird. Guess the war's still on, anyways. What? Yeah. <laughs> that's how war works. Oh, the guy didn't show up to the peace talks. Better keep the war going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
this seems like honestly kind of shady. I wonder if something happened to his plane, but I guess we're just not going to investigate that. Were were there no recon satellites tracking the plane? Oh no, the Russians tra- knocked all those down. Oh right, yeah, 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 and kept them down. I guess I don't know. Sure. <laughs> so during this time, like yo, the now disgraced members of Task Force One Forty One are like, we need to find Mac Rob and we need to murder him. Sure. And in order to do that. Uh, Yuri gives him like price, like intelligence about like, hey, Makarov had an arms dealer. He's in, base. He's basically in Africa, specifically Sierra Leone. We need to go and get them. And so you go through there and you start like shooting people, and whatnot. And you find out, oh, hey, they shipped off a bunch of chemical weapons. Hmm, that's weird. Wonder what's up with that. So that's when you turn to like the, the SAS. He plays like an SAS team member in London as you try to track down these trucks that contain chemical weapons that are going to be released on the populace. Boy, Makarov really just ticking all the boxes, huh? He really is. I want my nukes, and I want my chemical weapons, and I want my just general weapons. Mm Mm-hmm. All the WMDs, I just have them. So everything goes badly. Essentially, uh, the team is not able to find all the uh, chemical weapons, and the... One shocking scene, and mm-hmm. I put shocking in air quotes, right. happens in this game. Alex, are you are you familiar with this one? I am, yes. This is, I would say, one of two or three scenes that I have seen. Yes. Yeah. This scene is one that, and maybe this speaks a lot about me, mm-hmm. I kind of laughed when I watched. It's, it's just the way it's done is kind of ridiculous, yeah. Yeah. So the mission ends with the SAS members being like, where are the chemical weapons? And then it goes to a basically another perspective mm-hmm. where you see a, I presume, American family that's on vacation in sure. London. Yeah, yeah, sure. How they're doing that while a war is going on, don't really know. But they are. A war in their country. In their country. And they're like, oh, man, look at this. We're, what's that? That's Big Ben. And it's like it's a husband who's filming it and there's a wife and there's mm-hmm. a little daughter who's acting precocious. And then you see, like, a charity truck pull up, and you recognize it's like, oh, that's a truck that has the weapons on it. And so the little girl runs next to the truck and does spins, and it's like, ah, nothing bad's going to happen. <laughs> then the truck explodes and vaporizes her <laughs> and kills everyone else and unleashes chemical weapons. <laughs> and it's like, like, when that happened, and once again, maybe this says a lot about me, I just mm. kind of laughed. <laughs> Well, it's just, it's ob- it is so obvious it's trying to shock you. It is. It, it is, is so obvious what kind of reaction it's trying to get out of you. And it's like, come on. It's like, we killed a kid. How, how do you feel about this? There, yeah, there were a lot of kids that died in New York, probably. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's a reason why in, like, the Stanley parable, mm. right? Uh there's like a weird parody scene about mm. like you got to keep this baby from going into the fire, <laughs> and it will teach you something about the story, because it's it's a very very cheap thing to do. Right, to be like, well, people like kids. Kids are innocent, so if you kill a kid, it, it's like the equivalent of killing a dog. Right, like you kill a puppy in order to get a rise out, a very cheap rise out of the audience. Right. So it doesn't work at all. No. The the freaking opening of the third My Hero Academia movie is more effective than this scene. 
I do not get that reference. I know, and I don't expect a whole lot of people to, but a few probably will and will understand. I'm going to look this up later because I want to know. But So yeah, all that happens. And Alex, Mm. something even more unbelievable happens after this. Oh good, please tell me. So, now I presume that since America was attacked, that Article 5 had been invoked and Mm -hmm. all of NATO was at war with Russia. I also assume that because NATO delegates were going to be at the peace talks. Right. Um, I guess that might not actually have been true. What? Because Russia then launches a surprise invasion of all of Europe at the same time. How? How? And, and that's a great question. I think they have teleportation technology. Because literally a a news program goes on. It's like, yeah, people are recovering from a chemical attack that happened earlier today. And it immediately cuts to like, oh, no, Russian troops are now, uh, Russian tanks are now rolling down the, the Champs-Élysées in, uh, in France, in Paris. Uh, there's in troops. the middle of France? Yeah, there's a, there's an invasion in Prague. Uh, just in the Rome. middle of France, in the middle of it, just they went straight from the board, like screw mm-hmm. all the neighboring countries. They yes. didn't even pass the border. Yeah, they, they, they just they were just in the capital. They just did all of this. They they invaded the United Kingdom. Um famously easy to invade place. Oh yeah. The United oh Kingdom. yeah. Oh, just just walk right on in. Just walk right on in. They just directly landed tanks once again <laughs> in Paris. Um with what navy? With what navy? I, I guess they just flew them on their yeah, magic okay, planes yeah, that they have. Just, just flew them in. Turkey their magic radar. Exists. Yeah. You, they can't just walk past Turkey and no one's going to know. Poland, a famous country that is totally cool with oh. Russians walking through them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, just man, they're just like, anyone, anyone, please, straight through Poland. Any day. Yep. Yeah. So they basically occupy more or less all of Europe up, um, up to about like the center of France. Oh, my God. <laughs> In literally 24 hours. Oh, my God. That's not even, you can't even move that fast. You can't. You can't you can. move that fast unopposed. You can't. It's literally it's literally an impossible thing to do for a military <laughs> if you want logistics and supply. Which, granted, Russian military, not big on, on logistics and supply, but no, still. But, oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, so they, all these troops just teleport in, and NATO's just like, <laughs> well, I guess we're at war now. All right. Hmm. Damn the Russians and their new teleportation technology. <laughs> Somehow we're at war with a combined population of 700, 700 million people. <laughs> <laughs> After we just got our Navy blown up by one sub. And probably lost tens of thousands of troops, uh, possibly hundreds of thousands, yeah. given how much you would need to secure the East Coast of the United States. <laughs> but... <laughs> It's okay. They swam across the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, yeah, sure. So that all happens, and so it's like, well, that's real, real bad, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> so Task Force 141 and, like, Nikolai's men, um, Nikolai has his own Russian separatist force that's helping out, by the way. Mm. Like, like eventually end up going to, like, uh, Somalia, like, beat up another African warlord. <laughs> okay, there's a lot of that happening in this game. There is, yeah. And, like, they find out that a bomb maker by the name of Volk 
lives in Paris. And, like, he's, like, in charge of this, like, front operation in Paris that they're the ones who developed all of the chemical weapons and whatnot. Do we still have bomb makers? Is that still a thing people are? You know, that's a <laughs> good question. I don't, not really. <laughs> it is in the, the mythical world of Call of Duty modern right. warfare. <laughs> so they go to they go to Paris and they manage to. Oh, I, sh- I should also point out uh, during this entire time, Task Force One Forty One is disavowed, and there's a right. price on his he- on Price's head, like literally. Right. Uh during this entire time, they're in contact with Team Metal, the Delta Force people, as well as the U.S. government, and are freely <laughs> exchanging information. <laughs> and usually every conversation is like, hey, by the way, uh, the Americans are after you. And Price is like, yeah, well, join the club. Anyways, I need this equipment. Can you get it to me? It's like, oh, yeah, sure. No problem. Uh, also, by the way, here's some intel. Uh, go do you, buddy. <laughs> they are very lightly, yeah. lightly in trouble, apparently. <laughs> Is it the Americans saying, by the way, the Americans are after you? Well, it's technically the SAS that are saying that. Okay. Um, yeah, Captain McMillan from the first game is, like, back, and he's, like, giving Price information and whatnot. Right. But, like, literally, they get in contact with, like, Team Metal and, like, hey, by the way, things are happening. They're like, oh, cool, thanks, bro. <laughs> so, so yeah, like, they end up um, interrogating uh, this guy and whatnot, and they find out that um, Makarov and his team are going to be meeting in Prague in this hotel, and they gotta go. They're gonna go and ambush him and murder him and end the war. But oh what? no, it's a trap. Yeah, why? No, what? That's the <laughs> last place Makarov would be. Why would they come into the war zone to meet? Funny, they like actually point that out in the games. Like, why would he do that? And Price is like, overconfidence gets the best of everybody. No, <laughs> that's that's literally the opposite of what the game has demonstrated Makarov to be. Hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But you know, that's just what Price thinks. And so Price infiltrates the hotel alone while Yuri and Soap are basically hanging out as Overwatch, like sniping people. But once I... Price gets in, he finds out that, no, he's not there. Instead, Kamarov, a, that guy from the first game that you helped rescue, uh-huh. is there, tied up, with a bomb strapped to him. And so Price has to run away before he gets blown up, because this whole thing was just Makarov setting it up so he could murder Price. Right. And fail to do so. Now, right before this, though, uh, Makarov gets in contact with Yuri and says, Yuri, uh, my betrayer. And Soap's like, hey, what, what, wait, what? And then a bomb goes off and, like, knocks both up Soap and Yuri from the rough. And then uh, uh, Soap gets, like, mortally wounded. Like, he gets carried back, like, into a safe house with mm-hmm. uh, Nikolai and his men. Like, uh, Soap dies in Price's arms, but not before telling him that Yuri is known by Makarov. Like, Makarov knows him. Mm-hmm. And so Price is like, huh, okay then. And, like, he gets, like, very distraught over Soap's death but he's like okay mm-hmm. we need to get out of here because we're about to be ambushed and it's like they're about to walk down some stairs and like price is like yuri you go first it's like it's like okay it's like oh by the way yuri and so you turn around and price just punches you <laughs> and you fall down all the stairs it's like 15 flights of stairs it feels like <laughs> and then as you're on the floor groggy price just shows up points a gun at you and says hey how does Makarov know you you better explain because otherwise i am going to kill you <laughs> And so this is where Yuri lays out all the cards. And we get some flashbacks. Alex, did you know that Yuri is, like, maybe the most important person in modern warfare? Of course he is. 
he's of course literally, he is. He's literally been everywhere. Oh no. They freaking black ops did. They did. When um Zakaev got his arm blown off by Price. Yeah, it turns out Makarov and Yuri were there. They were in the car that Zakaev got into as they drove off. Okay. That... And that made... Sure. Yeah, that made a made man. Like, they basically became right-hand men to Zakaev. But then, um, but then, unfortunately, Makarov was like, he's the one who ended up orchestrating the nuke attack. Like, actually, it wasn't mm-hmm. actually Zakaev giving mm-hmm. the order. And so, once that happened, like, Yuri, like, ended up having a falling out. He, like, he didn't really believe in, like, the cause anymore, the ultra-nationalist cause. Uh-huh. But he still stuck with the team until the mission No Russian, where he was actually part of the team. <sighs> Except right before everything was supposed to happen, Makarov, knowing that he was a traitor, shot him in the chest. Okay. His go-to move. Only this time, Yuri did not die. <laughs> Yuri, in fact, actually got up and grabbed a gun and, like, stumbled through the airport trying to shoot him. But uh-huh. unfortunately, ended up passing out and was saved by basically, like, Russian EMTs. Mm. Who then did not arrest him. Yeah. And he ended up strange. falling with Nikolai's group. Yeah. It's actually kind of funny. Like, in the remaster of Modern Warfare 3, uh, that the mission No Russian now actually has a staggering Yuri that walks through and shoots uh. people before passing out. <laughs> uh, which is kind of cool. But yeah. But yeah, he's basically been in every important thing ever. And so he explains all that to Price, and like he wants to get revenge on Makarov for all the evil he's done. And Price is like, all right, you bought yourself some time for now. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. All right, Price. Mm-hmm. So they ended up getting... So the mission now is that they need to find the pres- the Russian president and his daughter, Uh they don't know where the president is, but they find out that the daughter is in Berlin. So Price actually gives that information to T-Metal, who goes to Berlin in the midst of a war zone and helps rescue the, uh, rescue the Russian um, president's daughter or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, though, she ends up getting recaptured and by Makarov's forces and flies away in a helicopter. <laughs> right. You know, like, ah, crap, that sucks. <laughs> Oh, um, I also forgot to point out, uh, I have this in my notes, and I just want to point this out. Uh, as you can probably expect, every major national monument bits it in this game. Right. And that, that includes the Eiffel Tower. The Eiffel Tower literally gets gets bombed by U.S. forces and falls over. It's great. Oh, okay. Sure. And, like, try out the music plays during it, too. It's weird. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. So... Team Metal tells Price in the rest of Task Force, uh, well, what I guess there's not really a whole lot of Task Force 141 left. Right. They just basically just tell Price and Yuri about the failure to rescue the daughter, but they find out she's in a diamond mine in Siberia, and her presence, the president's also there. Convenient. So Task Force how 141... Did, how did they find out about that? Intel. <laughs> they... <laughs> No one could see a Russian occupation force invading, like, eight European countries simultaneously. How did they track one person to a diamond mine in Siberia? That is an excellent question. I don't know. (laughs) They found a way, though. (laughs) So, this is where Task Force 141 and Team Metal team up to do a joint rescue operation. So, basically, uh, Team Metal picks up the two of them. Mm-hmm. And they're like, let's go. Yep, pretty much. And like the five of us 
And I guess technically some of Nikolai's men are going to just storm this place. We're going to save everybody. And so they literally fast rope down into the middle of the mine and whatnot. Mm. And, like murder an unprecedented <laughs> amount of Macross men. Once again, these people are G.I. Joes. And like they first they rescue the president's daughter, who's like groggy and tells them that yeah, the president's further down. And they mm. go down and get the mm. president. And like there's like a running gun battle and it's in order to get onto this chopper. And like Price and Yuri get on the chopper. Uh well not before Yuri gets like wounded, but like Price like drags him back on there and makes sure to rescue him because it turns out he still thinks Yuri's a good guy. <laughs> and he's like, Price is yelling at Team Metal to get back on, but like, no way, man. We gotta stay here. We're gonna cover your escape. And he's like, no, don't do it. You'll die down here. And you just watch Team Metal, these three guys, mm-hmm. kill maybe 50 <laughs> people in 30 <laughs> seconds. Like, they're being charged by, like, soldiers, and, like, they'll, like, stab one soldier while shooting another. It is ridiculous. <laughs> like, I got it. They're Delta Force, but no. Uh. <laughs> so, eventually, you just fly out, and their fates are unknown. Uh, presumably, very much dead. So, following the rescue, though, the conflict between the United States and Russia ends. They come to a peace agreement, and everything is all fine and dandy. How exactly... Um, I guess mostly because they would go like, yeah, Makarov did all this, and everyone went, ah, dope. We should probably murder this guy. Uh, personally, if I was the United States, I'd probably still be really, really upset about being invaded, mm-hmm. uh, as well as the entirety of Europe. But I guess, ah, you know, they have teleportation technology. We yeah. need to end this war and research this ourselves. Yeah, yeah, that's, right. that seems like a much higher priority. Yeah, yeah. It's just, the, their ability to just transport people is beyond our means of comprehension. Yeah, we're cool. We're cool with ending this war. But that still means there's a loose end. And that loose end is Makarov. And so Price and Yuri, who are now reinstated... Well, I guess Yuri is now in Task Force 141. Right. Task Force 141 is reinstated, and they are no longer disavowed. And Price... Again, it's kind of a cool moment, because like every time mm. he plays Task Force 141, there's like a big disavowed symbol like above them. Right. And in this mission, you just see the, the logo. And you're like, mm. all right, you're in this... It turns out he's been hiding out in the Hotel Oasis in Dubai. And you learned this from Nikolai. Mm-hmm. And so they put on, like, incredibly heavy armor and are basically just walking tanks as you just walk into this hotel and just start <laughs> shooting everybody. This seems like a weird welcoming back party. Mm-hmm. Like, you just got reinstated and now you're, okay, go into this other country where we don't have any jurisdiction and just start murdering. Yep, just walk into this hotel and just start shooting. And that's exactly what they do. And it's like eventually like they get up on an elevator and like are like hit by missiles and whatnot and have to like throw off their armor and whatnot. How does the elevator support the weight of that armor? I have no clue because it is very big armor. Very big and very heavy. And eventually like like there's like a big air attack that happens on the L- on the um, on the roof and whatnot. Mm. Uh, uh, Wait, who's w- who's air attacking? Oh, it's because there's just like helicopters around and whatnot. Like who's helicopters? Nikolai, Nikolai's men are helping them out. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so I feel like Dubai would not be cool with this situation that's happening right now. I would think they wouldn't be either, but you know, <laughs> maybe they got the heads up. I, I guess for the Americans. So, like, 
an explosion happens and like it throws Yuri onto like a piece of rebar that like stabs him through the middle of the chest. Mm. And by the way, you're playing as Price during this entire mission, right? Uh, and like Yuri tells Price, just go on, go get Makarov because he's about to escape in the helicopter himself. Mm. And so you, the helicopter takes off just in time for Price to jump on it, like throw out the pilot, <laughs> kick out the co-pilot. Um, like things happen to cause the helicopter to crash into ground, and then like. Like, you are basically both struggling to, like, you're both wounded, mm-hmm. uh, Price and Makarov, and you're struggling to get to the gun. Unfortunately, you get to the gun first, but Makarov steps on your hand, grabs the gun from you, is about to shoot you. But Yuri, who just pulled himself off of that rebar, just, like, tackles, like, Makarov and fights uh-huh. him, um, ends up getting shot and killed for his trouble. But just uh, it allows him to, Price to recover just long enough to run up, punch, like, knock the gun out of his hand, punch him. Strangle him with a cable, break the glass ceiling that they're all standing on. Um, they fall like a couple of stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, it ends up snapping uh, Makarov's neck, killing him. And Price, as he just like lays on the ground, like just absolutely messed up, like sees Makarov's dead body, sits up, pulls out a cigar, lights his lighter, lights cigar, puff of smoke, and the game ends. And that's Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. I forget. Didn't they steal that exact ending sequence from another Call of Duty game or something? I don't know. They might have. Um, I feel like I saw a video where it was like, this is just, it was like, was it Black Ops 1? No, that doesn't seem right. But it was, it was something. Yeah. No, nah, I'm not. I'm not sure if they did take it from somewhere. I wouldn't be surprised if they referenced right. themselves, but. Right. It, but yeah, <sighs> how you feeling, Alex? Price and Yuri should have switched places. Yuri should Agreed. have lived. Price should have died. Price should yep. have died. They they foreshadowed Makarov was going to kill Price. They set that up. They did. And then they they're did. just like, nah, the old guy lives. The young guy dies. What? The, the storytelling 101. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. It's, it's. It's this weird thing where it's like they clearly wanted you to play as Price and whatnot. Yeah. Like everything everything about Price's and Makarov's like animosity towards each other doesn't really work because Makarov's no. a character literally introduced in the second game. Yeah. And they're like Price's entire established history is with Zakayev. Mm-hmm. And then you dealt with him. Yeah. He's dead. Yeah. It like I I love Captain Price. Captain yeah. Price is great. Yeah. But um yeah, I don't this is very much Yuri's story and it should have been Yuri's ending. And it's very disappointing that it wasn't, but I mean, this is a story that's like just full of so many plot holes. Like, yeah. All over the place. Like, and, oh God. <laughs> like we're having peace talks. Oh no, the president's missing. Well, well I guess we're going to invade all of Europe after a chemical <laughs> attack. We didn't cause the chemical attack, but I don't know. No time like the present. Oh yeah. Who ordered the invasion of Europe? The president was missing. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's probably, like, because, like, there's, like, division in the government that's established that, like, some people want to continue the war and some others don't. So maybe, like, hardliners, like, in the military took control of them that moment. But, like, that's all speculation. I, it's never spelled out in the game. Like, not in the least. Oh, my God. It's such, oh, it's so... It is the most things just happen because we want them to happen. Mm-hmm. The, the, there is no plausibility to any of it. Yeah, none at all. None at all. It's all 
and it's like this funny thing where the first game has like some sort of attention to like realism and detail mm-hmm. and whatnot. Like it's still a Hollywood movie, but like right. it's a very nice self-contained story. Wraps up at the end. And then he went, okay, let's make a couple of sequels. And like Modern Warfare 2 goes pretty hard in Hollywood movie. Right. Uh, and like has plot holes, but otherwise you could see like the start to finish of it. Yeah, you see, you see where it's trying to go. And in Modern Warfare 3 is like, we need to just keep escalating. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, more shock, more, more adrenaline. Sh- yeah. Everyone is invaded. Russia, so strong. It's, ah. Uh, yeah, it's. It's it so ultimately wild. doesn't end up working, and I think there's a reason why this game is not really talked about in the yeah. Call of Duty games. Yeah. Well, it's so weird, too, because, like you said, like, Modern Warfare was where the series, like, kicked off in the popular attention. Mm-hmm. And then Modern Warfare 2 was where that dial just got turned up to 11, and the pedal got floored, and it never stopped. Mm. Like, that Modern War. As you mentioned, Black Ops sort of took over as the poster child of the series. Yeah. But Modern Warfare was where its popularity, like, came from. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, just the conclusion just kind of came and went, and people were like, oh, yeah. Yeah, great. Well, can't wait for the next Black Ops. Yep. When's when's the next Black Ops? After Ghost. Ah, uh. oh, Ghost. Uh... <laughs> yeah, and then after this, they were just going to do... After, like, Black Ops starts to fizzle out a little bit, they're going to just start going back to chasing that modern warfare train. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and then every game with the word warfare in the subtitle mm-hmm. just becomes, like, a problem for the series. Like, Advanced Warfare, I think, is is considered better than Ghost, but otherwise just kind of outright bad. There's There are people who really like it, but it's also a very clear response to Titanfall. Right. The power armor you have, essentially. Right. And then Infinite Warfare is, like, honestly, probably one of the better games in the post-Modern Warfare 2. But also... People really liked it, yeah. Yeah. Well, but it also just accidentally happened to draw the ire of, like, the internet Mm. when it was coming out. And people were, like, down with more samey call of duties and it's like that's been every single one of them since ever yeah this is like one of the ones where they're trying to change things they're trying to do weird things with this you're fighting in space and then after infinite warfare their activision was like wow people hated that so much let's go back to world war ii mm-hmm. <laughs> and then people hated that because like the guns are old yep and now they're back remaking modern warfare 2 yeah yeah, after they remade Modern Warfare 1. Mm-hmm. And I guess Vanguard happened. I don't know. That was something. Yeah. Oh, God, Vanguard. I forgot about the game. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. And then there was a Black Ops 3. A Black Ops 3 and 4. Yeah, Nixon was in 3 and no one was in 4 because it didn't have a multi- it didn't have a campaign. <laughs> yeah, the the one where everyone went the plot in those games are really really good. They went what if the fourth one of these didn't have one? Yeah, what about that? What do you think about that? Yeah, past this Call of Duty, I, it's going to still go strong for a little bit with Black Ops, but then right. after that, yeah, it's going to lose its way or feel like it loses its way in increasingly yeah. bizarre ways until, well, eventually they'll actually decide to take a year off finally. Mm-hmm. Although during that year off, they released Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remaster. So right, so you know, also not really, but they still still got to get the profit margins up. 
It's not yeah. like Activision has other games to put out. Indeed. Other, other than whatever Blizzard's working on, but eesh. Eesh, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one day we're going to talk about all the rest of Call of Duty because, oh. yeah, it goes into some strange places, especially when they decide that we really, really like having actors in our games. Oh, yeah. Which um, I actually didn't mention. I believe Modern Warfare 3 has Idris Elba in it, which Probably. I did not know. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I knew voices. that either, but uh, good pick. Yeah, good pick. He's great. But yeah, eventually you'll have people like Kevin Spacey in there. Yeah. And, um, oh yeah, that's right. Kevin Spacey's in Advanced Warfare. It's oh. very awkward considering it was like literally right after that game came out. Oh everything yeah, everything about right. Kevin Spacey happened. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oof. Oof. So yeah, one day we're gonna talk about all of that. Uh, but I felt like felt like it was good to talk, start with Modern Warfare because I agree. really every. Everything Call of Duty is just branches off of Modern Warfare in yeah. one way or another. Yep. But yeah. I, I am so excited for the inevitable Black Ops series because, oh, Black Ops. Mm-hmm. Black oh, Ops yes. is insane. It's very, very insane. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's going to do it for us today. Uh, unless, Alex, do you have any final thoughts? I don't know. Yeah, we put so many thoughts out there yeah yeah we put there's there's a lot of thoughts out here on this on on this podcast about these two ridiculous popcorn movie video games i guess Uh, i guess all i can say is in spite of everything the like when i say modern warfare what i am thinking of in my head is the mission from modern warfare one where you're going through middle easter stand at night with night vision goggles and you can see all the laser sights going off no matter what anyone does that is just the shot that encapsulates modern warfare in my mind Mm. oh yeah it's such a good mission that is such a good mission so cool and so cool looking my final thought is that when Heroes of the Storm was still a thing, they should have put Captain Price in it. <laughs> they absolutely should have. Oh, my God. They should have. That would have been I know that's, so great. I know that was supposed to be only be Blizzard properties, but... No, screw it. Honorary, honorary mention. Honorary mention, give, Captain Price. Give him a Warcraft skin. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, wait. Wait. Wait, hold on. Why is this on a blizzard? Okay, never mind. Sorry. Damn. I got I got very, very excited that this was a Hero of the Storm update that actually did have Cat Price in it because it's from Blizzard. But no, it's just for some reason on Blizzard's website, they published something about um, uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. So never mind. <laughs> I per- Once again, Blizzard disappoints me. They're just, oh, they're such a mess. Why are they such a mess? Why are they such a mess? Oh, I think we're going to end that there. Yeah. Thanks for joining me as always, Alex. Of course. And thanks to you, viewer, for joining us as well. And if you like content like this, you should check us out at ftp.podbean.com or search for Fallen Through Plot Holes or FTP on the podcasters of choice. And of course, if you like this episode, we have a part one. It's not going to be of uh, this particular series about modern warfare. It's not going to be quite as crazy as this. No. But hey, you might enjoy it. In fact, I think you will. But yeah, take care, everybody. 